Hi, this is the Social Jello with Angelo show. My name's Angelo. I'm a social scientist, surfer, martial artist, and a whole lot of other things. Coming to you live from Kasai City, Japan, the Social Jello with Angelo show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for checking out Social Jello with Angelo. Today I'm here with Lee Price. He runs the Marshall Lee Vegan Roundhouse Kicks YouTube channel. Uh, real quick note, the way I met Lee, well, actually, this is the first time we met, but yeah. the way we contacted each other is he commented, he made a funny joke on one of the martial arts videos that I posted on my channel. I think it was on the Muay Thai sweep um, and how to throw someone down, wish him a nice strip. <laughs> I think he said that was a good part. And uh, yeah, then I checked him out. And it turns out um, when I looked at his YouTube channel, I was really interested in the fact that that you're vegan, not mm. because I'm vegan, but because I've trained. I had a vegan come into my gym about a year ago and I mm. just had so many questions like, well, he had many questions and I had very little answers. That was really the problem. So mm. uh, Lee, thank you very much for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Angelo. It's cool. And before we get started talking about nutrition because that's really that's really where this podcast is going to end up going mm. is like yeah do i tell a vegan to do for martial arts training and nutrition because my normal answer for that is first of all i'm not a nutritionist even if like you're not a vegan <laughs> someone walks up to me yeah. and says, well i want to cut weight for a fight what should i be eating and my mm. my first answer is going to be well, i'm not a nutritionist i can only tell you what i've done to cut weight to make weight for a fight and what i needed to do for that and everybody's every body pun intended is different so um but before we get to that part i kind of want to get into your martial arts journey real quick so mm. what how did you get started into martial arts like what how that all that happened um for me i mean i never planned to get into martial arts um i was just five years old and i was unfortunately the victim of quite a violent attack i had my skull cracked open on a curb it was really bad yeah um took a while to recover from that and uh, no one in my family really knew how to address this. And we realized there was a local karate school doing um, Shukokai of all styles. And um, so I started training in Shukokai down there with um, Sensei Irfan Ansari, my very first martial arts coach. He was a good man. Um, trained for about three years. And after about a while, I kind of realized, you know, the training wasn't really based around kids. I mean, it was mixed adults and kids classes back in the day. We were training on, you know, the hard wooden floors. There, there wasn't enough pads to go around the class. Uh, and eventually we just sort of moved on from that school. And I fell into the style that I'm in now, which is just freestyle karate. So it's really, I mean, if it was invented today, they'd just call it MMA, but it's really a striking based martial arts style. So I got started through, you know, unfortunate reasons, but ended up enjoying it and then moved from school to school until I eventually found my home and it's all really blossomed from there. That's how I got started. And you, you were five, five, did yeah, I hear that five. right? You were five years old when you were assaulted. It was, it was yeah. just like a, this was like, what, uh, and I know like, like you're, you're coming from the UK. What part of, mm. where did, where did this happen? I guess that's my first question. Um, I was in school of all places. Yeah, it was in the infant school. So five years old, I'm not sure what the equivalent is for different countries, but we call it infants. So I'd just gone from yeah. like the very first sort of play schools through to the first semi-official schooling. And um, I remember it so clearly it was typical bully attack. Like I was just picked out because I was an easy target. It was in the dinner hall. Um, some of the older lads who were, you know, pretty violent bullies. He's the one who took your jacket. I saw him. It was him. It was him. 
I didn't know them. I'd not touched anything. They're like, I want to get you outside. I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And um, so I thought, if I don't go outside, if I don't leave the dinner hall, they can't get me. Yeah, smart idea. So, but unfortunately, a, di- a well-meaning dinner lady comes over. Oh, Lee, go outside, go out and play. And, you know, I was too anxious, very anxious child as well, which is why I was an easy target. And then, so she sort of ushers me outside. I get cornered and um, they just flip my legs up from underneath me. So I whip back. And as I did, my skull smashed on a curb and then, you know, obviously quite graphic from there on. But um, I remember I walked up to the teacher, I had my hand on the back of my head. I didn't know how bad it was. Um, and she was talking to another kid. So I was always very polite. And I thought, oh, I'll wait for my turn. So I'm stood there. I was waiting. Oh, I'll talk to you in a minute. <laughs> as she turned around, I'll never forget, like her face went white. And then um, they phoned an ambulance. They had to sew me back together. No anesthetic. They had to have adults pinning me down in the nurse's office. Yeah, bad man. I had a lot of time off school. Very traumatic. So you can imagine taking this already very anxious child, giving him this like horrific injury from his peers and then saying, OK, right, go back to school. There were no systems. There was nothing there to help me. There was no psychological help. Um, the only help I really got was having my head sewn back together. And that, that was it. Then it was like, take time off school. Okay, good luck with your life. See you later. Um, so for a while, you know, my anxiety got worse and worse and worse. And then when I was seven, that's when I started training. So it was there was a gap between the injury and then finding martial arts. But very, very quickly, it gave me like um, something consistent. Uh, it gave me a new peer group. It gave me access to, um, you know, adults that I'd not met before. I mean, I lived in a town called Hyde, which is in the northwest of England. Um, and it was in a pretty rough area. I wouldn't say a ghetto, but, you know, nobody was rich. There was no money there. Um, people from my old street used to get arrested for bomb making materials, for having guns, for all kinds of stuff. So martial arts gave me this out, gave me this other world. Um, so it, was, it was weird, man. Like never, never would have thought it would have come from that. And no one in my family had ever done martial arts before either. So it was just interesting how that happened. I mean, you were five. You were a baby. You were a baby. You were five. And my daughter's five. Because like, yeah, oh, there you go. I, man. I, I try yeah. to imagine like. I'd be so furious. Um, so like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would be, as a parent, I would be so furious. But <laughs> anyway, yeah, five years old. Two years later, you get into that style. And then you said you started regular karate, um, mm. a style. What, what was the name of the style one more time? Shukokai. Shukukai karate. Yeah, it means um, a style for all, I think. Okay, okay. And yeah. that's is that that's a style that goes back to Japan, I'm guessing? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I say semi-modern. I think it's from the 70s. I, mean, oh, okay. I, I wrote an article on this a while ago. I should have I should have had the creator's name ready. But um, <laughs> yeah, he, he started teaching in a car park of all places. Um, he was one of the lineages. You know, everyone talks about like Gojo Ryu, Shotokan and so okay. on. And um, Shukokai, the way I describe to people, it's similar to Shotokan. Um, but more counterattack style. So, you know, you got maybe like slightly shorter stance, um, but still similar, similar um, kata, same sort of names, you know. Um, and I got through to my third queue before I stopped. So I got to my first brown belt. And then that's when I got started in um, more like British kickboxing style, British mixed martial arts. All right. And then if I, mm. if, if, um, if Wikipedia is, is, can be trusted, yeah, it mm. is saying that it's the parenthood to Shuto Ryu and Goju Ryu karate. Yeah. Um, coming out of night, it was born in the Chojiro Tani or Tani Chojiro in Japanese, mm. would be uh, started in 1921, I guess. Oh, way earlier than um, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the, it was a formal karate training under mm. Miyagi Chojun. 
and mm. uh, and then from there, it, that was the founder of the Gorju style, and then eventually it's yeah. it's, it's a shoot shoot Shukokai is a shoot from that. Yeah, um, it's from that lineage, and I guess it left Japan in 1965. And that's uh, maybe that's why I'm thinking 70s. Maybe it got to UK in the 70s. Even even more interesting is the fact that it began as a style in Kobe, which I actually live an hour away from. Hey, nice. <laughs> actually, yeah, that's, that's funny. Small world, brother. Yeah, that is a very small world. <laughs> no, I did not intend on that. Anybody watching? Yeah, oh, wow. I was trying to tie it up. I'm not trying to make any ties here, but that's mm-hmm. that's interesting. So you did that mm. for a few years and you went to freestyle karate. What? Mm. I don't know much about freestyle karate to be honest. Well, in Japan, they mm. have something called uh, uh, open hand karate uh, or also freestyle karate, which actually kind of looks like kickboxing. Um, yeah. And its lineages go back to when all the karate associations wanted to present something that anybody could do. And at the time, Muay Thai was becoming very popular. So yeah. they sent one of their karate guys to fight a Muay Thai guy. That went really bad. So yeah. then they decided to open their own association in Japan and bring a Muay Thai guy over here. And it kind of became a little bit of a, in, in catch wrestling, they talk about a, a shoot and mm. they also talk about a catch, which is, uh, you know, a, 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 they the more terms that people understand a fixed fight. But, but yeah. for entertainment pur- purposes, they did a little bit of, a, they tried to do a little bit of a catch. And mm. when they couldn't, when the Muay Thai fighters did not want to do a catch, um, they decided to kind of skew things in their favor, <laughs> to put it nicely, yeah. <laughs> by, by making it open weight class and bringing in um, sure, yeah. like heavy weights, fighting lighter weights to make their karate look so strong. But essentially, mm. it ended up looking like that. Is that, are we talking about the same kind of freestyle karate here? Or? Yeah, very similar. Um, freestyle karate in England came from... Um, well, initially you had the traditional styles come over. So you had sort of British associations um, who were sort of certified from Japan to teach karate in England. Um, and then you had like the open karate tournaments, which sort of were the early kickboxing back in the day, like, like you say. Um, and it was at the time, everything was tied to tradition and kata. And there were some instructors, like including my own and, you know, lots of others around the country who got their heads together and said, well, we're training for this sport, you know, karate in the ring or kickboxing, but we're spending half the time doing kata. doesn't really seem very relevant. Let's take it out of the gradings and let's have a system that's purely based on, you know, combat sport, self-defense. Um, and there was this big kickoff because you then have this good divide of people who say you've got to have kata. People say, you, you know, you don't need it. And there's this big argument going, argument going on. It's kind of like in Brazilian jiu-jitsu where they have the gi versus no gi arguments, you know, and it's, it's valid on both sides, you know. And I, I've kind of gone a whole journey. I started doing the kata traditional when I was younger thought it was completely irrelevant there's no point training you don't need it whatsoever now i'm going back and seeing like the the, the methodology in it i'm seeing the beauty in it i'm seeing how they recorded and how they um, communicated arts through kata which i was you know quite ignorant to back in the past but it kind of came from that and then the competition scene was what drove it really so you'd have like my coach and others in like fighting in like the wkas and wackos and things they'd go around the world and see like america was more developed they had gyms with mats and clean pads and you know <laughs> so they brought that back to england and um made the martial arts industry a bit more professional so it's not like it's not hugely different um to mix martial arts some people like a lot of traditional karate guys say it's not karate because there's no kata um but you know there's only so many ways of punching there's only so many ways of kicking 
So the way I describe it to people is like, we've got a mixture of like Taekwondo, kickboxing, karate, uh, basic jujitsu, catch wrestling. I mean, I, I live right next to Manchester, which on the border of Lancashire, where catch wrestling is from, you know, you've got catchers can wrestling right, right oh, on my catchers catch wrestling. doorstep. Oh my gosh, yeah. it's such a great lineage you have right there. It's obviously that made its way to Japan and round and back and everywhere. And everybody heard about Sakuraba fighting the Brazilian jiu-jitsu guys with, with his catch wrestling. And so it's all, I was very lucky to be in this sort of very small mixing pot. And I live in a valley as well. It's a small town. There's only about, well, small. There's about 40,000 people here now, but it's not a city. But we've got all these ex-world champions and so on. Like my coach, who was one of the first freestyle karate guys, used to fight in MMA before it was called MMA. He used to fight in kick jutsu or kick jujitsu, which was like, um, it was more like striking with like, I think he got like 30 seconds on the ground. So it was very early mixture of like, you know, judo and kickboxing. And I started this as a kid. So when I was like 10, 11 years old, I was learning arm bars at the same time as learning, you know, the karate blitz and, you know, just putting it all together. But I used to only fight in striking. So I never really got to compete in um, you know mixed martial arts or anything like that i just trained it for the the love of it and you know the self-defense side as well um so yeah i mean it's it's an interesting mix but if you go from one freestyle karate or freestyle kickboxing school to another they're going to be similar you're going to punch and kick the same but they're going to have a different focus you know one might be only competition and one might be well like we don't push people into competition but if they want to fight they can which is more like our school Oh, wow. So, oh, yeah, big mix. I, <laughs> I, I come from a style called Kaju Kembo, and it's funny that you, everything you've mentioned, it's very similar, isn't it? So far, it sounds like a very similar, very similar story. Historically, I mean, I've told this story a thousand times, so I hate to mm. drag my listeners through it again. But <laughs> um, but historically, it's, it's a very similar mix the Ka for karate, the Ju for judo and jiu jitsu. The Ken for Kempo, Kung Fu, I guess mm. that'd be a little bit different from where you guys are coming. They do they, some of the schools will focus on Kung Fu and then mm. kickboxing, but all, all together, the tournaments they end up fighting at are usually usually either point style karate, uh, the freestyle yeah. kickboxing, or uh, MMA is where they end up, where the fighters yeah. end up. And then some of the cool. guys like uh, John Hackleman decided to throw out the forms and come up with his own system that he called Hawaiian Kempo, which is mm. all based on self-defense. And most of his guys is just kickboxing and MMA and, uh, mm. you know, Chuck Liddell, UFC, that kind of stuff. But you did this freestyle karate thing and you still, I mean, you're still doing that to this day. That's, that's the start yeah. you got into. New yeah. And um, now let's go ahead and switch gears. You did that. You're still doing that. How long mm. have you been doing that now? Oh, my whole life. I started when I was 10 with freestyle and I'm 34 now. So 24 years of mostly one style. But I, li I like to search out other people as well. This is my core style. This, this is my mother. This is my mum. But <laughs> everywhere else I go, you know, the other styles are my friends. So I started with the points fighting. Um, I started with the, the, you know, the freestyle karate tournaments, the light contact. Um, and I got onto, you know, I was on the British uh, world team I was on the English world team a few times um, really really good experience and then from there I started taking my karate into different styles like you know low kick kickboxing full contact Muay Thai and I started to travel and and to fight in these other styles so I would be taking sidekicks into Muay Thai or you know trying to mix up their timing you know for, you know kickbox the Muay Thai guy or I'd use Muay Thai on the kickboxers you know it's to try and find it so I've always tried to be like an all-rounder I've got a couple of things that I'm really good at that I like sidekicks but 
I try to, you know, if someone's a really good boxer, kick them. If someone's a really good boxer, punch them. That, that, that sort of thing has been my advantage. And <clears throat> where, um, I guess, my, when did you start, when did you start mm. competing? How old were you? Um, I was about 14 when I first started. Um, and that was like, say the, the freestyle stuff. So the points and the like continuous, we always did both together. Um, and I think the points is, is great, but people who do only points get sucked into the game of it, which is great. But if you use that game, you can use it to enhance your ability to fight in other styles. So if you watch like my fights or like my highlights, you can see me using like the points like counter, but then you don't stop. Don't just get the hit, get the hit, reposition, hit, 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 reposition, reposition. Um, like George St. Pierre used it well in, in his MMA for his takedowns. Everyone was saying, you know, he's a great wrestler. But yeah, he was using a karate blitz to, to get in there. You know, it's, it's how you apply it. So I started but when I was about 14. And then by the time I was about 18 is when I went into the more full contact stuff and started doing like more Muay Thai rules, full contact kickboxing. And how was that transition for you going from light contact to full contact? I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I, I personally felt like I really thrived off it. And light contact can get a bad reputation. Oh, you're not, you're not hitting very hard. It's like, well, you are hitting hard. You just can't win by knockout. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if, if you knock somebody out, well, okay, disqualified. But people are still hitting full contact, you know. Like, you know it yourself, you know. Yeah, no, the, I, 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 well, <laughs> yeah the, in, in big air quotes, light. Like, I think, mm. if anything, I think I sustained more damage in my light contact continuous tournaments than I did in my full contact matches. Because yeah. again, because when you can win by knockout, you know, just <laughs> one good ding and that's the end of the fight. But mm. when they force you to go, especially if it's tournament style, when you're yeah. like, when I went to, I did a full contact tournament out here and at least then I can knock out the guys and move through mm. or vice versa. I get my bell rung. It's done. But with the, yeah. with the continuous, just the torture <laughs> of just having your body drilled, drilled. And then sometimes they do ding you and they get the warning and they stand you yeah. back up. And you, you get 20 keep, seconds in a, in a, to recover. Yeah. In a, in a fight where normally it would have been called like, hey, he knocked yeah. that guy out. It's done. No, no, no. Get, do you can't, Are you okay? Can you continue? Yeah. <laughs> you can't. And then you don't want to be the guy that, says that can't continue and get the other guy disqualified. So, no, I can continue. Just give me 20 yeah, more seconds fine, to, fine. to shake, yeah. the, shake this off. So, like, <laughs> yeah. don't yeah. worry about the broken jar. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's okay. We'll, we'll figure out. We'll figure out the broken nose later. So, like, it's. Yeah, yeah, I, I almost, yeah, I want to say there was a lot of punishment going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, talk about. So, so you went into, so you, you did enjoy that, that transition into full yeah. contact. And um, you went into Muay Thai. Was that the first, mm -hmm. you went into Muay Thai kickboxing in the, in the UK? Yeah. Yeah, we, we have, um, it's, it's kind of international now, but um, they started off with the levels. So there's like C class, B class, A class. Um, C class is, Muay Thai, but short, shorter rounds. So you're not doing a five round fight, it's three rounds and uh, like no elbows to the head. And then B class, you're opening up more rules, longer fight. And then A class, you're basically full professional rules. But because it's the UK, kind of just make it up as they go along so you know i would i would turn up to one fight for example and i think i'd be fighting one guy you know and i took this fight last minute oh you know we need someone to fight on the weekend if you've got anyone who could turn up in four days I'd be, yeah me 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 pick me pick me you know <laughs> always training always ready to go there was no break from that freestyle light contact to full contact it was just go 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 you know all the time so i'd turn up and they'd be like yeah we know you came in to face this guy on the last minute but um 
he's decided he doesn't want to fight now. So we brought in this guy. Oh, and, uh, and, he, and he's a bit heavier. And um, oh, and we said we were going to do these rules, but we're going to do these rules. And we said we were going to be in a big ring, but now we're actually going to fight in a phone booth, you know? So <laughs> to change all these things. Like I turned up for one fight under, um, I fought a few times under Master Sken. He's a famous Thai boxer from Thailand, a big promoter in England. Nice guy, but sometimes things don't go the way you're told they would go. So I had this one that was like my, my, was it my second? No, this was my first Muay Thai fight. I'd had a full contact kickboxing match and I had my light contact experience. And then I had this Muay Thai fight against this guy. I'll have to say, his picture is massive. You know, there's like me, I'm about 60, 65 kilos fighting, no heavier than that at the time. And this guy looks like 50 cent, but white. He's like, just this huge guy, he's massive. You know, he's like, his legs don't fit in his tie shorts. And we, we went to go and have a meal um, after we weighed in. We went to go and have a meal at uh, my coach's friend's restaurant. And he's asking, oh, who's this guy fighting? Okay, no problem. Who's this guy fighting? No problem. Who's Lee fighting? This guy, and he goes, and he looks at me up and down. He goes, <laughs> are you sure? And he's like, this guy fights like 30 pounds heavier than you, you know? And I was like, oh my God. And but like, when I took this fight again, it was a last minute thing. And, um, oh, we need to, you know, can somebody fight? And I'm like, yeah, me, 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 me. <laughs> so they go, right. It needs to be like 61.5 kilos or something like that. And we're okay. Yeah, fine. No problem. I'm walking around just under that. I don't need to cut any weight next day oh um he's, he's struggling to make the weight can you do another half kilo oh yeah sure no problem every day half kilo half on the day we're weighing in at 63.5 kilos so we've gone up on two two full kilos and then he weighs in exactly on the money 63.5 exactly i step on the scales they say i'm 57 oh <laughs> yeah i'm walking around at like 61 dude so they've cut four kilos off me so now i'm thinking he's weighed in at like 67 i go online and i check his fights the lightest he'd fought at was 70 and 71 <laughs> why are they booking a fight at 61 man so yeah i mean just to give you an idea of what the matchups can be like in the uk you know? but again like you don't want to be that guy who's turning around and saying you know what i don't want the fight so I just said, yeah, sure. I fought bigger people than you in training all the time. No problem. And um, so, you know, we're in the fight. He's picking me up. He's, he dumps me on my head. He get, just gets a warning. You know, this guy's kicking me so hard. I'm thinking like, oh, it's going to break my leg. You know, I like I, I blocked one of his low kicks and I didn't want to put my foot down because I thought it's going to be one of those leg break videos. My leg's just going <laughs> to banana when it hits the ground. But it was, it was crazy because he hit me so hard. He recoiled off the block. So he's off balance, stood there. I, sh I should have just attacked, but I'm thinking, don't even look at your leg. It's definitely broken. <laughs> <laughs> so I put it down, you know, it's, it, it's okay. But I've never been hit so hard in my oh. life. But I mean, luckily every other tie boxing match after that was at a closer weight, but I was always the smaller guy. But using the freestyle movement and things, I was I was usually able to miss a lot of damage. Like after I blocked that kick, he um, he teed me later in the fight. I went back off the ropes and normally, you know, a little bit of give. It was like a cartoon. You know, it was like I was Bugs Bunny or something on a fire out of this out of the ring. And he pulls me back and he's running at me now. And I'm thinking my legs are going to come off. You know, it's like someone's running at you with a nodachi. Just right. I, I can't, I, I'm dead, you know? <laughs> so he comes at me and before my feet touch the ground, I fly in sidekick off the ropes with the momentum right into the guy's chest, knock him down. He goes flying. I'm like, 
I can breathe for a second. <laughs> Next round, you know, he starts getting the better of me some more, knock, knocks me down three times, fight's over. But, you know, every single fight I had was an experience. Everything, you know, I learned a lot from it. And um, it was good. This guy, he, he moved to Australia not long after that. He runs a gym in Australia now. Uh, when, when I get back, you know, when I get, get fixed up again and I get traveling and training, when I'm in your neck of the woods, I'm going to go and see him as well. So... <laughs> but it's, it's just it's mad isn't it you know <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> yeah it's funny <laughs> but, but you know like what you're explaining though is, is just something that's pretty i i don't think it's just the uk i've talked to different martial artists from uh if mm. you're outside of the if you're outside of the professional not yeah. i don't want to say i don't, don't want to say that because people get really mad if i say that um <laughs> if you're outside of the bigger venues that are yeah. very popular like uh we'll say, say some names some venues here like like you the ufc um sure. one yeah, championship exactly. yeah. um fc championship if we're talking about something that's non-televised or is televised but by a small network um mm -hmm. what you're talking about this drama you're talking about the background stuff the, the mismatches all that that's just part of it that's just yeah. part of it. Like yeah. it, it it's the game, and, isn't it? Yeah. I, I was never, <laughs> I always tell people I was never planning on being a professional MMA fighter. Um, I'm an English teacher. That's my <laughs> profession. Like I've always done martial <laughs> arts and I, it's always been something I love to do because it's part of my life, but I've always made yeah. other ways. And I ended up becoming a professional MMA fighter because I'd always fight at smokers and I was told I was going to fight at a smoker. That we need someone for a smoker. I'm like, all right, cool. yeah. I, I do smokers all the time. No big deal. You know? And then all of a sudden they're like, we're, I get to the place. There's a big, uh, there's an auditorium. And I'm like, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this doesn't look like a smoker. Like a smoker's like, this isn't a gym. What's going on? I'm used to fighting like at basketball and basketball gyms or yeah. games. Like usually maybe a boxing gym has their own little private event. So they told, that's what I was expecting. And I get there and it's an auditorium that fits like a thousand people. And they're asking oh, about man. how many tickets were sold. And I'm like, and I told my, I told my, my coach, not even my coach, the chairman of a MMA group that I coached at. So I was one of the mm. coaches and I'm like, Hey, you told me this was a smoker, man. And I, I maybe there's a Japanese <laughs> translation thing going on, but he's like, Oh, don't worry. We took care of it. We sold all the tickets for you. And I'm like, <laughs> You said this is an amateur fight. What's going on? Oh, no. What's going on here? I'm 30, I was 35, 36. Like I, I told my wife I retired, but I told my wife when I was 30, I'm not going to do this anymore. What are you she guys sees you on the telly, yeah. What are, you what are you talking about? Yeah, like, where's your walkout music? So yeah yeah so yeah oh, and I've, told, I've yeah. told that story before but yeah it's it's uh yeah so i ended up with a pro fight i lost the fight but you know i ended up with a pro fight but um <laughs> but yeah um the same uh, thing though just a lot of miscommunication yeah. a lot of you're going to be doing this and then we're doing that and and that's just typical of of the fighting world unless unless you have a contract and you're working with like real yeah professionals that are part of the bigger venues that's that's pretty much what, to, what you you should what you should I hope anybody listening to this about how to become a professional fighter, get ready for the wild west yep. of fighting of up until you get into the bigger venues. So yeah, that's, that's, just that's, be aware. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> just so, be ready. Yeah. yeah, be ready. Be ready. Protect yourself at all times. Yeah. You, you know the drill. <laughs> so 
you um going back into your story in the middle yeah. I, I, I promised my viewers we talk about the the nutrition and the veganism mm. so in the middle of all this i'm guessing you weren't always a vegan when did when That's did right. you switch to to becoming a vegan how old were you when that um happened? well it was back in 2008 so 12 nearly full nearly 13 full years ago now see it was, okay. it was later in the year so about 12 and a half years now um and i just you know gone through some good fights you know i was i was getting ready i was like right I'm thinking about potentially going pro now as well, because my career was coaching, coaching martial arts. And I was simply fighting because I loved it. You know, it's a really good way. Does my martial art work? Yes or no, let's find out. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's easy. You know, you can have that conversation all day, but two minutes of that conversation with another person, you actually find out. So I, I got really, really into that. And I found it really satisfied me in ways that um, other competitive sports didn't like. I enjoyed team sports. Um, but I don't know, maybe, maybe there's something wrong with me. Like I could never take a loss very well in a team sport, you know, and, I, and it's, I would be frustrated with my teammates, but I would never blame them. Or, but then I would pick myself to death. Whereas, you know, you can't do that in a, in a one-on-one match. Like it's you, you know, it's this, I always think of it like martial arts is all about honesty. You know, if you compete, it's just an honest conversation with another martial artist does my roundhouse kick work? Does my timing work? Does your timing work? You know, can I deceive you? Can you deceive me? You know, it's, it's like that. That's why people compare combat sports to chess, but they don't fill in the comparison. Do they? Oh, it's like chess. Yes. Mm, Very smart. But they don't explain how it's like chess. You know, they don't explain how the moves work that way. So eventually I fought in um, this tournament called the Clash of the Titans. It's an annual tournament in the UK. It's invitation only. And what we do is we get all the big organizations to send in their five top fighters at five weights. Um, And then we all just have a big do and, you know, go and have a beer afterwards. It's great. Um, But this one year I was fighting in it. Um, It was on the break. I'd relaxed too much. The guy, I don't know if I punched him in the head too many times or something, but step back, I completely relaxed. He then steps in and goes for a throw, takes me over his back, falls on the shoulder throw, and basically just yanks my arm out and completely destroyed my arm. I had this big injury that put me out of training and competition for a long time. So I was still trying to support people, but I had all this time on my hands. So I started reading into like other athletes and I, I saw like these vegan athletes on YouTube and I thought, okay, I've never met a vegan who was athletically impressive at that point. I mean, obviously, you know, this is like 12, 13 years ago. I didn't really know many vegans at all, but you know, <laughs> I, I really, really thought you've got to eat meat. You've got to have animal products to be healthy. Therefore, okay. I admire that they're not eating them that, you know, but, I need to be healthy. I need to perform well in my sport. So I need to eat these things. It's the circle of life. Animals eat animals. Life consumes life. So I never thought about it any further than that. And then I started seeing these guys have been vegan for 10, 15 years. And they're putting out some impressive performance, you know, on the bike, running and, you know, a few different sports. So I thought, okay, you know what? I've, I've tried millions of different diets. Every time we're going for a different fight, it would be trying a new approach. Um, so I thought, okay, I'll, I'll give this a go as an experiment. I didn't really care about like the ethics of veganism, but I thought, okay, if, if I can improve myself physically, let's do it, you know? And about a month in, I was completely sold because I was just eating far more fresh food than ever before, you know, loads of whole foods. You know, there's nothing magic about being vegan. Some people will try and dress it up that way, but it's simply, if you're eating whole foods, you're just packing your body with high quality fuel, man. Like fruits, nuts, vegetables, everything, you know, bite for bite, you can't get as much nutrition. There's no other way to do it. 
Um, and in fact, for losing weight for fighters who want to cut, you know, you can eat all these high fiber, low calorie foods. So you, you feel full, you satiate, you don't have an empty stomach, but you still eat in that, um, correct level of calories so you know it's not like some of the fighters who struggle to make weight eating too much tiramisu and <laughs> and so on but yeah for me it's it very much started as athletically and then it wasn't until maybe i don't know maybe six months or a year into it that i became more interested in the animal ethics so i thought you know looking more into like how the meat's produced the conditions that the animals are put in but then for me it tied back into being bullied and attacked as a kid i started to think about how I had no choice about that time when I had my school correct open. Um, you know, I wasn't violent to anyone. I wasn't, I didn't deserve to be attacked. Nobody does. I was only a kid. <clears throat> and these animals that are being killed for food, you're younger than me. You know, they're not done anything. They're more peaceful than I was. They're more peaceful than a five-year-old human, you know, a six-month-old cow, a year-old cow. So um, for me, it then started to become about, okay, well, if I don't need to eat them, they don't need to be killed. They don't even need to be brought into the world to be kept in a cage, to be killed, to be eaten. So if I can just eat rice and beans and nuts and seeds and perform as well or better, why do I then need to increase like the supply and demand for these animal products? I mean, obviously, you know, that's really, really like a nice position that I'm in. You know, not everybody lives in that position. There are lots of people around the world who can't make that choice, but I can. So for me, it becomes like, if I don't want to become good at martial arts to have strength over other people and, and take what I want. You know, I don't become a good fighter so I can take from other people. And I, I'm not going to take from animals just because I feel, oh, I'm more superior than you are. You know, I'm, I'm smarter than the average pig. I'm smarter than the average cow, I think, you know, <laughs> possibly. Yeah. So yeah, all these arguments that I used to have personally for eating meat, you know, we're superior, we're smarter, I need them for health. They all just sort of one by one just got dissolved. And I thought, well, I have no more logical justification to continue eating it. Um, and that wasn't an overnight process either. That was like an eight year long process of now and again, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, you get really hungry and you still have those same cravings at first because you, you, your brain is programmed to get you to eat what you're used to eating. So if your brain knows if you eat X, Y, Z, and your body can extract something out of that, you're going to get those cravings, you know? So if you're just hungry, you know, so for example, you've not eaten enough, your body's going to go, what do I know is the most dense calorie source I have available? And I'm going to make you want that, you know? So very similar, oh, pizza, oh, I could eat a pizza right now, you know? <laughs> but then you eat a meal, oh, I don't really want that pizza. You know, someone made the example of like, if someone was really, really hungry, absolutely starving, you know, whatever you give them, they're going to eat. But, you know, you, me when oh, I'm star, you know, what I could do with a chocolate bar. Now, that's not hunger. That's a craving, you know. So I had to then learn to separate these like old habits from from the new ones. So it never started off being vegan. It started off being like just an experiment with my diet. And I, I went out, I got blood tests before, um, you know, and I got blood tests a couple months in. I got blood tests six months, 12 months afterwards. And it went from my doctor being like, oh, Lee, you might need to eat some cheese as well. You might need to just drink some milk and this and that to being like, Lee, you've got some of the cleanest blood I've ever seen. You know, what, what are you doing? Keep doing it. You know, <laughs> as I got older, you know, my blood got younger. <laughs> so it's just like, for me, it became a no brainer. So for me, it's kind of like, I want, 
you know everybody to to know about this so you start off when you're vegan as well and you're like telling everybody about it and you're too pushy like you go why aren't you vegan you know i'm vegan why aren't you you know but then i you have to think well i didn't spend my whole life as a vegan you know so if i'm now hating on people like you get it from some people they'll be like well if you're not vegan you're an idiot you're hateful oh you know you're disgusting like no 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 i can't hate on my past self like that you know, like I, I can't project that onto other people. So for me, it's like if somebody is interested in becoming healthier, eat more vegetables, eat more fruit, eat more nuts, eat more seeds, drink more water. You know, ev- everyone can do these things. Um, but then start looking into the science as well, like look into the studies, like where they look into like the blue zones around the world, where they have the longest lived people, like the most centarians in the world. They, they're not all vegan, but they do have a lot of things in common. They eat a lot of plants. They all eat beans you know, all around the world. So I start learning these things and thinking very overwhelming at first. I'm kind of aware that I'm like putting all these, these bits out, but that's how it kind of came to me as well. You know, I didn't go, right. I want to be vegan. Yeah. That sounds good. And I thought, oh, I want to be better at kickboxing. I want to be healthy. I want to recover faster from training. And, um, you know, it just, my results blew me away. I was coming out of a bad dislocated shoulder from that fight. And my training partner at the time was on steroids. I was completely clean not on anything he's on gear he's on um tested i can't remember he's running it with something else i mean it's legal it's completely legal in england you can't buy oh. it it's illegal to buy steroids but you can use but them. it's com- to use them and to to have them is fine so it's one of those oh, so, weird oh, laws wow. so they don't, they don't do any testing for uh like in the u.s they have all the tests before you fight mm. you're not the nevada not State until high levels mm. yeah if when you get to like professional fighting they'll have like their own things but um amateur and semi-pro you know, people can be on anything. I've, I've fought oh. a few guys. You look at them and you think you're definitely on some hot sauce, you know, yeah. and I think that's just their, that's their personal choice. But, um, you know, their, their advantage, you know, when you fight those people, get them to clinch a lot. So they tighten up, you know, get, get the muscles <laughs> full of blood. You have to change the tactics. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he had to, he, he was up in his dose just to keep up with me. But I mean, he wasn't doing everything I was doing. It wasn't just the food. You know, I was, I was sleeping well. I was, I was really hydrated. You know, I was, I was doing lots of other things to ensure my health but I'd never ever ever had the recovery I'd had when I took meat out which sounded insane to me at the time I was like no meat fish dairy eggs I need these things man whereas now like you don't replace them you just change your habits you learn new habits of eating like new habits of like fueling yourself and like that's a whole process and I think what happens um I like I I believe it was uh no I believe John Stewart Hmm was on uh was on rogan a while back and he was talking about his switch and how he how he ended up becoming vegan mm. one of the things that that he mentioned that i thought was really interesting was that the reason he doesn't go out there and tell other people that they have to be vegan is because what you put in your body is very personal that's what he, i thought mm. he was saying what you put in your body is very personal it's a very personal decision so to tell someone <clears throat> what to and not put in their body people get really yeah just yeah they get really you know they get really staunch about that so like for me i did yeah when um when I had my first vegan student come in mm. and I was just mostly curious, like, all right, what am I going to do with you? Like, you need, you do need a certain amount of protein and you mm. need a certain amount of carbs. I know that. Yeah. Um, you do need a certain amount of vitamins and I just hope that you're getting everything you need. 
Again, yeah. I'm, and I always say that I'm not a nutritionist. But then it's funny that when I started talking to my 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 vegan student, I started looking at my diet. I was like, you know, I'm only like whenever I need to cut weight for a fight, I'm only one or two steps away from the same thing. I found yeah, out yeah, that like, yeah. like the, the, the drinks, I, I like drinking. <laughs> I like when I, when I, if I'm going to drink and I need to cut weight, but I still want to drink. Um, mm. I was drinking, um, I was drinking rum and Coke zero, which is. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cut the calories. I yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know it was a vegan drink. Right. Like it came across the, I recently, when I, when I was asking my, my, my vegan student we had a ufc night i'm like hey man you want a drink and he's like yeah well you know, what do you have he's always like he always gives me this look like what do you think give me <laughs> i don't drink he doesn't drink alcohol i'm like i have di- i have mm. i have coke zero he's like all right yeah i can have coke zero and later i'm like i wonder if rum is, is vegan i'm like oh well, yeah hey the rum i drink is vegan what do you know so like yeah <laughs> it turns out a lot of the stuff i had i was like i mean i i continue to do what i do but i was very surprised to find that essentially a vegan diet is already something similar to what any fighter is doing when they want to cut weight right because yeah. there's, 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 that's a very big yeah yeah like cutting weight, there's cutting weight right and then there's cutting weight because you have to and it yeah. can get pretty ugly if you do the other side but yeah if you do it right um you know a lot of nuts so like getting getting back to it what's your recommendation because hmm. we're, we're getting close to our wrap-up and mm. I, if you can just really quickly, well, not quickly, but take your time. Mm. We still have, yeah. have plenty of time. <laughs> but mm. but <laughs> explain to my to the people that are not vegan. Yeah. Um, the coaches that are listening to this, thinking, what do I do with a vegan that walks in, needs to cut weight? What kind of nutrition program do you recommend they tell? Because a lot I, my my struggle, and I'll tell you my personal struggle with my vegan student was I did not know what to tell him to build muscle i did not i i can tell him because i know what i would do to build muscle i because i live in japan there's not a lot of access to i know what i would do in the u.s in the u.s yeah i would would shoot for for vegan protein if that if if i was a vegan i would Mm. shoot for vegan protein drink a lot of vegan protein a lot of vegan supplements and i would go that route to try to get all my protein intake but Mm. um i guess in a situation where you may not have access to, I'll tell you the situation in Japan and then mm. uh, maybe for um, in America and for the UK will be different. Cause you have more, there's a lot, there's a huge vegan market, but in Japan, everything is got either just a little bit of fish or a little bit of pork somewhere. In yeah. There. And that's the problem he's been having. So he's yeah. and then the beans available. There's not very, very many beans available. And then like the canned beans are going to have a little bit of pork. So he's had a really hard time trying to find the beans that he needs to supplement that. So that's his specific case, but we'll, we'll kind of go in general. What do you recommend as mm. a baseline nutrition program for someone who's a, just your regular vegan who's never fought? So I, that's, I think that's a bit, that's why I had you on the show because I could have interviewed plenty of vegans yeah. that don't have to worry about getting blocking a, a gorilla's low leg kick like you were talking about earlier <laughs> so, yeah exactly yeah have to worry about recovering <laughs> later so yeah what, what's your recommendation for the coaches for the people listening that are in martial arts that are vegans what, what's the kind of nutrition program have you put together mm-hmm. uh, again same as yourself you know I'm, I'm not qualified in dietetics or anything like that i'm not not a nutritionist it's purely from my own interest um even though it's been like a decade plus long interest now um <clears throat> The thing is, like, the, the same general rules apply 
Um, so, you know, you, you would still go pretty much by the regular recommendations. So your protein needs and things like that, they don't change, you know, to gain weight, you need to have more calories coming in than you're expending and to lose, you need to have less than you're taking in. You are, you need to be, you know, taking in less than you're using. Sorry. So it, it depends locally on what's available. So I'd say like, you need a, a form of carbohydrates for your energy and so on. So people always say, oh, you know, rice and beans are the cheapest thing around the world. Anyone can go vegan. But I, I've got friends in Japan as well who say, you know, it's not the case. And like you say as well, it's, it can be quite difficult. <clears throat> people are saying it's so cheap as well. But I know in Japan, for example, the government regulates the price of rice, doesn't it? So it's not like every other country where they go, oh, yeah, supply and demand. It's cheap as this. And no, 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 no. Situation in every country can be different. Um, so the thing is, what you need to do is just find a way of eating maintenance calories that works for this person. People can get over obsessed as well with protein. Like if you're eating mostly whole foods, so if you're eating, you know, lots of your vegetables, like sweet potatoes, things like that, you know, they've all got protein in them. So I think it might be quite low protein, but if you're eating a good mix, then you're generally going to hit all your angles. So, um, for example, in England, like I eat rice, I eat lots of pasta, uh, I eat grains, bread, some I buy from the shops, some we make ourselves. Um, tofu is fantastic. It's got all the essential amino acids in it. I think one of them is quite low, so you, you need to be eating it with something else, but nobody lives off just tofu, you know. Um, <laughs> so, and the thing, great thing about tofu as well is it's a sponge for taste and you can make the texture however you want it you can get the taste however you like it um for example i make i like fish and chips back in the day so i make a fish and chips style vegan thing now and all i do is i marinate the tofu um for a little while and i you know i cut it in with some seaweed and you get a lot of nutrients that way um like protein is quite easy to get if you're eating enough i mean like who do you know who do you, who have you ever met that's had a protein deficiency it's just we never, we never get it, you know, to be Ho medically deficient Hopefully protein. not my student. That's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm worried exactly. about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you don't, you don't need to, to eat all different types of beans as well. So maybe you like, you want a certain type of beans. Oh, I've heard black beans are very good. They're very high in protein, for example, but they can be more expensive here than other types. So I just get whatever ty 